Let's give the Lord one more clap offering, if you would. Amen. <clears throat> well, you know, the devil, he tries to fight us every step of the way, doesn't he? And uh, he's alive and well. He tries and when he knows when something good is going to happen. And many people get negative when things go wrong. I tend to get positive since I'm preaching on positivity today. I'll just kind of carry it over, all right? I tend to turn into positive that if the devil thinks it's worth that much trouble to go to, then something good is going to happen, amen? That means something good is going to happen. That means he probably doesn't want you to hear this message and doesn't want you to hear what God is trying to speak to you this morning. And so he's trying every way that he can to uh, stop it, all right? Uh, but what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about being positive in bad news. Being positive in bad news. How many of you know that there's a lot of bad news going on right now? How many of you have stopped watching the news? Amen. I stopped a long time ago because it is just too depressing, isn't it? It's too negative. Everything, uh, what makes good news is not good stories and happy stories, is it? What makes good news is bad news. So we're already like salmon trying to swim upstream, right? Because we're trying to be positive. As Christians, we're called to be positive, and we're to look at the glass as half full, not half empty. But what we need to understand today is that we are fighting against the culture. Everything within our culture is uh, sending negativity our way, all right? And we are swimming against the stream, all right? Uh, but we're going to talk about being positive. Uh, you are probably like me. You're tired of all the negativity. If you watch the news... Uh, it's full of this. People are dying. Jobs are vanishing. The economy is struggling. We have a nation that is divided like never before. I think we could all agree on that. Uh, and, you know, literally, doomsday just kind of maybe the end of the world as we know it, that life will never get back to normal. And maybe this is the new normal and just all kinds of things like that. And listen, I'm not here to pretend like I have the answers. I'm not here to tell you. I've always told you, if a preacher tells you he's got all the answers, slap him upside the head. Amen. Because most preachers don't know any more than you know. Amen. There are some things that are revealed in Scripture, and there are other things that are not. And uh, quite honestly, I don't have all the answers. I will be honest with you on that. I don't even know what about half the questions are, all right? And I will always be honest with you. But I do know the guy who does have all the answers. And I do know the guy who knows what's going on. He knows the future. He knows the present. He knows the past. And he can bring healing to it. Now, I'm here to tell you, um, um, these things have always been going on. They're amplified right now because of media, and then you add social media on top of media, and that doesn't help things because you get every viewpoint from all over the world. And I've told y'all, I think I said this last week, uh, I have an opinion, and if you want to know my opinion, come ask it. But I, I operate under the assumption, I think most people did 20, 30 years ago, I was brought up under the assumption, you don't want to know my opinion unless you ask me for it. And so, I don't put opinions on Facebook. I don't put opinions of what I feel. I feel like if you want to know it, it used to be, and there was, there was, great, uh, there was great freedom in that privacy. You know, back, back before social media, uh, nobody knew how you voted. You just voted, and you went, and you cast your ballot, and it was done. And... You might talk politics every once in a while, 
but it was probably rarely. And people just assumed, all right, I voted my way. I don't know how you voted, but you, you have the freedom and the right to vote. And nobody, nobody really questioned each other. Nobody really uh, asked each other that much. And now we live in the day and time where I need to be heard. Everybody needs to know my opinion. Everybody needs to know what I think. Listen, I hate to burst your bubble. Nobody cares what you think. And let me burst my own bubble. Nobody really cares what I think. Amen. Here's the bottom line. There's only one that it matters what they think, and that is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. That's the only one whose opinion matters. That's the only one who really, it, it really matters at all. And so we live in the day and time where you, you've got to hear my opinion. You've got to hear what I think. And guess what? You are bombarded with it every single day. What if you took your Facebook time? Oh, Lord, everybody got steel toe boots on? I wore my boots. I'm going to step on my own toes. You know on your phone you can get it to tell you how much time you spent on social media every day. It'll tell you how many hours. There's a place you can go look that up. What if every day at the end of the day you looked at that number and you said, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to read Scripture for that long? Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I'm here to tell you everybody in this room is probably at least three, four hours. What if I took a combined time tomorrow of three or four hours and read Scripture for three or four hours? I can guarantee here's what would happen. It would change my attitude. It would change the way I look at things. Because here's the bottom line, folks. You're not going to change anybody's mind. You're not going to change anybody's mind. You're not going to change. Listen, the only person you have the power to change is you. So what do you need to concentrate on? If you know that you can't change anybody else, then what is the one thing you can work on? Change me. And that's part of what I mean today when I say positive. This is about your attitude. If it's gloom and doom or is it God's on the throne, God's got it. This did not catch God off guard. God has got it. Now I'm here to tell you, with every good thing comes a bad thing. I want you to hear this. I can't see my, my young people over here. I'd like to let me push that down so I can see it. There y'all are. Oh, Chris, you're not young. Amen, brother. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, so here's the thing. Um, for every good thing in your life, there usually has to be a bad thing. And so I'm here to tell you all this gloom and doom about, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end. Well, yeah. Get your Bible out. Read the book of Revelation. Yeah, it's coming. Did it catch God off guard? No, it's all in there. Just read it. Here's the principle. Quit concentrating on the negative and get to the positive. Guess what? If you're saved in this room, heaven's waiting on you. Woo! Come on, that ought to make a Baptist want to shout. Heaven's waiting on you. Eternal life is waiting on you. But I got bad news. You got to die to get there. You see, so you see where I'm going with this? Yes, there is negativity in the world. Yes, it will get worse before it gets better. But guess what? There is a greater reward waiting on you and I. Amen? And guess what? In order to get to the eternal and the blessing, you got to die. There's a death. In the same way that you individually have to physically die to see heaven, guess what? In order to see a new heaven and a new earth, 
the old one has to die. Amen? So in other words, quit fretting over it. It's coming. It's happening. It gets worse before it gets better, but there is a greater purpose in the end. Amen? There's a prize waiting at the end, all right? So in order, there is always to receive something new, the old has to die. That's just a principle. That is a biblical principle. So quit fighting it. Quit fighting it. Let's turn a negative into a positive, all right? I've been told I spend way too much time on the front end, and then I have to rush through the back end, all right? So I'm going to move on. I just get excited, all right? It's okay. All right. Uh, it is easy to be sucked in and unsettled and anxious and think, will it ever get back to normal? Guess what? There are some things that may never get back to normal that it's okay if they don't get back to normal. You know what? You spending more time with your family, some good things came out of this. You getting to spend more time with your family and realizing, you know what? This is pretty, this is pretty cool, us all sitting around the dinner table together. This is pretty cool, us all getting to actually sit here and communicate with each other and spend more time together. We have to spend time with each other because we're stuck in this house for two, three weeks. And so there was a good thing that came out of that, all right? For every negative, there can be a positive, if not many positives, all right? Uh, I'm emotionally on edge. Maybe I'm talking to some of you. I was already an angry person. Now I'm more angry. Mm, anger. Anger issues. Can I tell you as a counselor, anger issues are huge. Everybody's angry. Can I, let me, everybody do this. Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe in. And now breathe out. Get rid of that anger. Amen. <laughs> Lord, Brother Mark's going to have us doing yoga before we're done. Amen. All right. Just get rid of that anger. Breathe it out. All right. Uh, maybe you say, I am more easily discouraged than I've ever been. But maybe let's turn it around and say, what about a positive? What about joy in my life? How will this season impact your life for God? Uh, can God do some things? Can God teach you some things through all of this? Yes, he can if you'll quit uh, concentrating on the negative and think about the positive things all right you've had more time to have a quiet time have you taken it maybe not you've had more time to spend with your family maybe you were too you had your face in the phone in the computer uh, it's all been there available but have we done it not necessarily all right so God has allowed some good things to happen it's kind of up to us whether we've taken advantage of it or not God's given you some time to where maybe you didn't have to concentrate on work as much as you used to. Did you take that opportunity, or did you just say, well, I can work from home, so now I can work more hours because I don't have to commute? Did you use it as an excuse to just work more? You see, all of us had the same opportunities, but the question is, did we take those opportunities, or did we waste or squander those opportunities, all right? All right, so let's go to uh, the first slide there. Whew. Boy, this is powerful right here. There is so much powerful in here. I encourage you to write it down or take a picture of it or uh, put it in your phone, all right? A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. So if you are going to have a positive life, you've got to have a positive outlook. A lot of what we're going to talk about today all starts and ends right here. It is in your mind. It is in your attitude and the way that you look at things, all right? And again... I'm not preaching to you today to change you. The only person I have the power to change is me. So I'm saying to myself, you know what? I need a more positive outlook. I was teaching in Sunday school earlier that if I want my wife to treat me better, this isn't always true. She's, she's pretty good about that. 
But if I want my wife to treat me better, I can't really change my wife. But if I get up and I say, you know what, I'm going to be very positive to my wife today. I'm going to tell her how pretty she is. I'm going to tell her uh, what a great wife she is. I'm going to just be positive, 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 and I'm just going to bless her and pour it out on her. Now, if I, do, if I get up that morning and I just pour out all this on her, what do you think I'm going to get back from her? Probably the same thing. If I pour out positivity, it's probably going to change her attitude. And even if she woke up mad at me, it's probably going to change her attitude, soften her, and it will come back to me in a positive way. So in other words, I concentrate on changing me, and it's liable to change everybody around me. What would your family be like? Would your family, listen to me now, would your family be in a better mood if you quit being such a jerk and a grouch? I don't have the power to change my kids. I don't have the power to change my wife. I only have the power to change me and my attitude. And if I put out positivity, then I'm more likely to get it coming back at me, all right? Okay, let's go to the next slide. Enough of the bad news, pray. When you find yourself negative, pray. When you find yourself uh, discouraged, pray. When you find yourself upset and angry, pray. The answer to all of it is pray, all right? Now, we're going to talk about two things that optimism is not, and then we're going to talk about a couple of things that optimism is. Optimism is not a denial of reality, all right? It's not saying this isn't real. My daddy used to say, my daddy was kind of uh, the glass half empty kind of guy, but my daddy would never say, he'd say, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And the reality is everybody's out to get me, amen? And so he called it being a realist. It's not a denial of reality, yes, there are some bad things happening. Yes, there's some negativity happening. I'm not denying that they're out there. It's just I'm going to change my attitude about it. Number two, optimism is not just blind faith. All right? It's not just going out there and just saying, well, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand like, uh, like it doesn't even really exist. All right? Optimism is not blind faith. So let's talk about two things that optimism is. Go to the next slide there. Now write these down. Optimism is... Confidence about the future or a successful outcome. Do you think that God loves you? Hello. Do you think that God loves you? Do you think that God has the best for you? Do, do you really? <laughs> we, does, God promises that, but many times we don't live like that, do we? God said this. We're going to... We're going to talk about this later. In fact, it's the last scripture we're going to talk about, but it's, uh, and I'm paraphrasing it right now, but it's, it's that God, God is working all things together for good to them that love the Lord. Do you believe that? Do we believe that scripture? Then we need to be optimistic, all right? Number four, optimism is the unwavering expectation that our God is working in every situation for our future and for our good. Let's look at that scripture uh, since I just quoted it. Uh, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, when you read that scripture, does that say all things are going to be good? What does it say? All things what? Work together. There's a difference. Amen. He didn't say all things are going to be good. He didn't say, I'm going to make everything easy for you. I'm going to make everything downhill and shady for you. He said all things work together for good. Even the bad stuff, 
all things work together for good. Now, again, we're real good at the blessings, but we're real bad at looking at the prerequisites. This one has a prerequisite. All things work together for good. To who? Those who love God. And then to who? To those who are the called according to his purpose. Not just anybody. Not just anybody. But to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. All right? There is that blessing waiting. All right? Not all things will be good. Doesn't mean everything in your life is going to be easy. It's that here's the assurance of that verse. That everything, even the bad things, is accomplishing something good in my life. It's teaching me something. When do you learn the most? During successes or failure? Failure. Those failures are etched in your memory. Amen? You remember those failures? You remember those failures? You remember the time that there was worship going on and you forgot to put fresh batteries in the microphone? You remember those failures? That's etched in my memory. You know what? Next week is going to be the first thing on my mind. By golly, change Julie trammeled. We better change them batteries. Amen. The failures are etched in your memory. The failures teach you way more than the successes. And then once you learn from the failures, then they lead to successes. This is just a principle in everything, your job, business, anything. All right? Learn from the failures, and it will make you more successful. All right? Okay. Let's go to the next slide. What do you think about, and how do you see the future? Those are two huge questions. What do you think about, and how do you see the future? Now, let me guess right here. When those questions came up, most of you, it's pretty selfish. Because with me, it's pretty selfish. What do you think about me? You know, when I'm finishing lunch, what I'm thinking about? What am I going to feed myself for dinner? Not Julie. I don't care what Julie eats. What am I going to feed? My, what does my taste buds want? You know, it's very easy to be selfish. Why? Because human nature is selfish. You were born to be selfish. You were born with a flesh nature, and it is naturally selfish. So what do you think about? The answer would probably be you, your life. How do you see the future? And basically the first thing that comes to your mind is, how do I see my future? Where do I see myself in five years? Where do I see myself in 10 years? And that's all well and good. There is nothing wrong with that. But if we go through life living completely and selfish and totally focused on us, then we will miss God's purpose for our life. Did you know that it's written in the Bible that everybody in this room, look at me, I want to see everybody's eyeball, everybody in this room, God has already written it down in his word what his purpose is for your life. You want to know what it is? It has nothing to do with you. God says that his purpose for every person is that you would glorify and honor God and honor his son and that he be high and lifted up. It is not about your comfort. It is not about what you think. How can I so confidently at the beginning of this sermon say, nobody cares what your opinion is? Because quite honestly, God's already said it. It doesn't matter what your You know what God says? God, matter, God says it matters what's in my word. The truth of the gospel. The truth of my word. My word will stand forever. The grass withers and it will fade away. But the word of God shall stand forever. Amen. Amen? So here's the thing. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. All of that stuff about you and me doesn't really matter. Are you lifting up the name of God? 
Are you lifting up the name of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Is everything in your life accomplishing to that purpose? Because God wrote it down, that is the purpose for every believer in this room, to lift the name of God high and to lift his son's name high. Amen? That is it, unequivocal. So it's pretty simple, but very hard to live, all right? Okay, Uh, so next slide. What consumes your mind controls your life. So let me put it this way. If all you think about is you, what's your life going to be controlled by? You. Your selfishness, your flesh, what do I want? Uh, We started Sunday school this morning. I started on the book, The Purpose Driven Life. That came out years ago. But I pulled my copy down, and I read the first page, and I remembered how much I love the book because of the first page. Because the very first sentence is, it's not about you. Everybody bought the book because it was called The Purpose Driven Life. And everybody wanted to know. And everybody wanted to know, i got to read this book so I know what my purpose is. They opened the book, and it's in the very first sentence. Guess what? You open this book to find your purpose, i got bad news for you. It ain't about you. Your purpose is not about you. And I knew this is going to be a good book. Amen? Because he just blew me out of the water with one sentence. All right? It is not about you. Your life is not about you. Your family and you raising your kids, can I say this? It is not about you. It is about your God. It is about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God gave you those kids not to clothe them, not to feed them, not to put a roof over their head, even though that's part of the responsibility. God's real purpose is he gave you those kids to raise godly young men and godly young women so that his name may continue to be lifted high. That is the purpose. All right. What consumes your mind controls your life. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. If you think negative thoughts, then that's going to control your life. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. You've got to clean up your mind. Can I give you an old Brother Mike-ism? Anybody been spending any time around Brother Mike's heard all these, amen? you got stankin' thinking. You need a checkup from the... Amen. All right. What was that saying? That's what that's saying right there. You need to change your thinking. You need to change your mind. Most of us, we are born with stankin' thinking, and we need a checkup from the neck up. We need to change the way we think, all right? Your life is a reflection of what you're thinking, all right? This, is, this may be the, one of the best statements. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. That's a good one. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. If you want to clean up your mind, clean up your life, start up here. Clean up your thoughts, all right? Um, All right, number two, let's go to the next one. (laughs) Oh, boy, all right, here we go. I'm going to step on toes. Pessimists tend to view negative events as personal and permanent. Do you take everything personally? Let me answer for you, yes. Most of us take everything personally. I get in social media. Somebody says something the opposite of my viewpoint, and what do I do? Oh, bless God, you have you go across the line, brother. Amen. You've done offended me, and I am taking that personally. I know you didn't put my name on there, but you might as well have. Amen. I am taking that personally, and I am taking that permanently. Guess what? There's a whole lot of people. If you spend your life that way, you're going to be angry and bitter all the time. Because I got bad news for you. 
at one time as a Christian, you were in the majority. Not today. It's changed. As a Christian with a Christian world viewpoint today, you are in the minority. So guess what? There's going to be a ton of people that do not think the way you think and that have the opposite viewpoint of the way you view it. Now, guess what? That's no different than it used to be. That's no different than 20, 30 years ago. It's just 20, 30 years ago, I didn't have to listen to all your opinions because I didn't have a phone to listen to it on. Amen? So, what am I telling you? This little device right here, put it down. If you're going to use it, use it for something positive. Put positive stuff on it. Now, now listen, what, what are you not saying? Brother? I'm not saying if you want to put positive things and things about how God has blessed your life, and especially Scripture, and you want to put all the positivity on there, by all means do it. But unfortunately, what many Christians have gotten in the habit of doing is I'm not putting positive things. I'm, being, I'm responding to all the negative, and I'm getting into these word wars with people on Facebook and Instagram and all these things, and I'm just, man, I'm just spending hours and hours and hours doing that. Listen, you respond to It's kind of like this. Have you ever tried to, maybe y'all haven't done this, in my line of work, I deal with a lot of people. And here's one thing I've discovered. You cannot counsel a drunk man while he's drunk. Can you? Now listen to me. I want you to listen to me. Have you ever tried to talk sense to a drunk man? You, you're talking to a wall. You might as well be spitting in the wind. Never try to counsel a drug addict when they're high. Can I get an amen? So here's the thing. If you're going to spend all your time talking to an unbeliever who does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and whose life does not mean anything to them, do you think you're talking to a person with any sense? No. You might as well be talking to that wall over there. So quit wasting your time on all the negativity and turn it around and try to turn somebody's life around with positive. You cannot, and let me say this, you cannot go wrong with the Word of God. I try to stay, now you're going to, it's just naturally going to happen. You're going to get my opinion thrown in there sometimes. But I try to, when I'm preaching, to stick very tightly to the Word of God. Because Mark Trammell's opinion doesn't matter a hill of beans. And God don't really care about Mark Trammell's opinion. But the Word of God will stand forever. So if you want to be positive and you know you're not going to mess up, just put Scripture on there. Go find you a bunch of Scriptures that talk about, you know, division in our country and talk about can't we all just get along and speak in the truth and love and those kind of things and just flood the Internet with all these positive Scriptures. And you can't go wrong. Number one, because it's not your words. It's the Word of God. And number two, God says, my word's powerful. My word's more powerful than any word you can put out there. My word's way more powerful than any opinion you can give. Amen? Okay. I don't know. I'm not getting a lot of response on that. Amen? Uh, all right. So, being content, satisfied, blessed, optimistic is not a state of affairs. It's a state of mind. What consumes your mind controls your life. If, again, if you get caught up on the negativity train, you're going to spend most of your time being bitter and negative. And I'm here to tell you, during this time of life, with everything going on right now, I don't need to spend more time being bitter and negative. There's already plenty of it, and I don't need to spend more time on it. All right? So turn the negative into the positive. Replace the news. Replace social media with Scripture. In fact... I'll just make that the challenge for today. 
When you go from here today, don't post anything on social media with your opinion on it. I'll go home, and just for today, let's just make it a one-day experiment. Just for today, don't put anything on social media but just God's word. You'll feel better. Everybody around you will feel better. And you'll be in a much more peaceful state of mind. All right? And don't read any of the other stuff. Amen? <laughs> just put it down. Post your scripture and then put it down. All right? So, all right. Let's go to the next scripture, Romans chapter 7. Now, here's, here's our man Paul, and I love Paul because Paul learned the secret of life. You know what Paul learned the secret of life is? Paul learned, I've had everything, and I've had nothing. Paul knew what it was to be on the top, and then he's writing this letter from a dungeon prison. He says, I know what it, I know what it is to have everything. I know what it is to have nothing. I know what it is to know where I'm going to be for the next year, and I know what it is to not know where my next meal's coming from. And I have learned to be what? Content in all things. Paul learned that the key to a happy life is even keel. I know a lot of people, and unfortunately a lot of people are like this, they are emotional roller coasters. Now don't look at anybody. Amen. Don't look, don't look at the person sitting next to you. But a lot of people are emotional roller coasters. Uh, they're what I call, you're not quite bipolar, but you're almost there. Amen? And it's extreme highs, extreme lows. Extreme highs, extreme lows. And they get up in the morning, and you have to walk in the room very carefully because you don't know what you're going to get that day. Amen? You ever been around people like that? You live with people like that? Maybe so. Amen? But can I tell you this? Learn to be on an even keel. Paul said this, don't get too high during the highs. Don't get too low during the lows. Listen, if you're, if you're going to stay in ministry and not be discouraged, you better keep an even keel. You know why preachers quit every day? Because every Monday, everything's about what Sunday was. Amen. Any preacher in the room knows it. Every Monday, preachers want to quit. If you had a good day, whoo, it's a great day. It's going to be a great week. If you had a bad day, this week's going to stink. I'm, I want to quit. Want to quit every Monday, amen? It all depends. It's all dependent on how things work. You've got to learn to just have an even keel. Did you know that God did not call me to preach to please you? Did you know that God did not call me to preach to fill, put butts in these seats? Did you know that God did not call me to come and fill this building with people? You know what God called me to do? God called me to come and to preach the word of God and preach it, preach the truth, preach the truth in love. And to be faithful in season and out of season. Doesn't matter. If five showed up today, I'm supposed to preach like there's 500. If 500 show up, I'm supposed to preach with the humility as if the only five showed up. That's the key. Preachers in the room, let me give you the key. That's the key right there. God called you to preach the word of God and to be faithful. Nothing else. We can get so caught up on the numbers. We can get so caught up on the things. And in the end, none of that matters. I believe some of the people, when we stand in heaven one day, I believe some of the people that will receive the most rewards was that faithful preacher who preached for 40 years to the little country church. Never was more than 100 people. I believe that's the guy that might see, receive the biggest reward. We're always thinking, oh, well, you know, it's going to be Billy Graham. It's going to be, listen, uh, no, I think it's the guy who stayed faithful in season, out of season, all that time, all right? Um, so here's Paul. And in, in chapter 7, Paul's all messed up, if you've ever read this. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. 
For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Next scripture. Uh, If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. Is that the last one? All right. So, what is Paul saying? Paul's very discouraged. Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing those things, and I'm messed up. And Paul basically says, I don't have a clue how to get this right. And then God does something in Paul, and from chapter 7 to chapter 8, it totally changes. Now go to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 18. Then he changes his attitude, changes his mind, changes his outlook, and now it sounds like a different guy. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or translated, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, and we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That, is that it? That's the last one? <laughs> All right. Oh, there. And for I consider, and this is the most important one, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, now I want you to imagine Paul standing right here saying this to you today in this pandemic. For I consider that the sufferings that you're going through at this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you. Amen? Paul's saying this to you. What you're going through now, pandemic, listen, there's people across the water, across the ocean, that are getting their head lopped off for claiming the name of Christ. And you want to gripe about a little virus keeping you home? Come on. The sufferings of this present time do not compare to the glory. I've got heaven waiting on you. I've got eternal life waiting on you. I've got you a throne. I've got you a a home in heaven. I've got everything waiting on you in heaven. And it is worth all of it. Even far worse than what you're going through right now. So what is the message today? Suck it up, buttercup. I don't know any better way to say it. This is nothing. Can I say this with all love in my heart? Get over yourselves. Let's all just get over ourselves. This really is not that big of a deal. Now, if you want to go live in Iraq, if you want to go be a missionary in Iraq or some other place like that and stand in chance of getting your head cut off or losing your job, your family, your life, then we might have something to talk about, but you ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing.
We just need to get over it. Life will go on. I know people on neither side really want to hear this. People are going to die. People die every day. It's a fact of life. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Well, I got bad news for you. It's the only way to get there unless Jesus comes back. Amen. So, the struggle I'm in today is producing the strength I need for tomorrow. My wife is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And here's the thing you got to understand. God does not help those who help themselves. Do you know that's a, there's a lot of quote, uh, sayings that are misquoted as coming from the Bible. Do you know that's not in the Bible? It does not say anywhere in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. I don't know who said it, but God didn't say it. You know what the Bible does say? God helps those who need help. God helps those who ask for help. God helps the weak who are too weak. God helps the broken. God helps the desperate. God helps those who can't help themselves, all right? God is there for you, and he's there during this time. In order to get to heaven, you've got to physically die. In order to get to heaven, there's got, in order to have a new heaven and a new earth, the old heaven and the old earth have to die. The old me has to physically die. Fight to the end, be faithful to the end, but embrace the reality. This is what we live in. The devil's trying to use it for bad, but God says, I'm going to turn it around into something good. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, change our attitudes from the inside out. I pray that today we would go out today from here and we would stand on the word, not our opinion, not our feelings, not... Uh, taking offense to anything, but that, God, we would stand on the truth and the power of the word of God. And, God, you told us, for all things are worked together for good to them that love the Lord. And so we trust in you, and we ask you, Lord, go before us, fight our battles for us. In Jesus' name, amen.